Hello and welcome to Data Centre Unplugged from Proact. In the second of this two-part workspace series, we'll be covering the practical steps that you should take if you're affected by recent licensing and end-of-life announcements from Microsoft, Citrix and VMware. We'll explore the key components of a successful workspace strategy, examples of how businesses are transforming their hybrid working and the technology and services available to achieve it. Our podcast panel includes Tom and Ollie from Proact's Workspace Solution Architect team, Toby from the Global Black Belt team at Microsoft, and Nathan, our guest host and Chief Technology Evangelist for Workspace at Proact. Nathan, over to you. Welcome back to our, our second part in the uh, Workspace series, where we were talking about the changing landscape of Workspace and the, the challenges that organizations are facing. The, the intention of this section is to talk about what, what can you do? How can we help? So I think without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Tom, who's going to talk about, uh, you know, where are we in the, in the disruption landscape and what's he seeing in organizations and how is he solving that problem? We're not messing about straight into the weeds. As ProAct, obviously, um, we talk to customers all the time about this and we have two kind of um, ways to approach this kind of ask, if you like. Uh, we have our workspace transformation assessment and we also do a cloud transformation assessment. The two probably intertwine to a degree, but the workspace transformation assessment is all about looking at your apps, looking at your data and understanding your organization and your, your end users a lot better so that we can map a technology portfolio that suits your business requirements and your business needs. And the overall goal is effectively to provide a better service, a better solution, a better end user experience, better operational insights, and as cost-effective a solution as you can, but without kind of compromising kind of security and that sort of stuff needs to be factored in as well. So um, the cloud transformation assessment is something that we often do alongside Microsoft. Um, but we do them separately ourselves and we'll, we'll run things like Azure Migrates and um, Doctor Migrates and do CAF workshops, landing zone designs, et cetera. Um, the two technologies, the workspace and the cloud typically overlap uh, and we need to be having a joined up conversation about the two. I think that was a whistle-stop tour of what we do in workspace. So that was amazing. Uh, just on on the specifics, Ollie, I mean, I know that you've got some some customers you're working with at the moment. Let, let's dig down into some of the things that we talked about last time, you know, around licensing, the change of consumption. How are people, or how are organizations coping with all the changes that we discussed on the earlier part? Just. There you go. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're looking at licensing. It's obviously, as we, as we alluded to on the first podcast, it is going up for a lot of vendors. You know, it's not, I know we've we've sort of mentioned Citrix a lot with their licensing model, but all vendors across the board are putting licensing costs up. Their costs are going up, you know. We've had various issues around the world that have caused an increase in power costs, for instance. So data center costs are going up. So they pass their costs onto the consumer who it just it rolls downhill basically. Um you know, it's not it's not just them. We've got costs that we've got to put on as well. So essentially, the end user or the business that we're talking to, their costs are going to increase. They're going to have to accept it, essentially, especially if they want to go down this route of what we would class as a remote workspace solution. Um, like Tom said, we, we do run adoption frameworks for cloud. Everyone is interested in cloud. It's the buzzword. It's been the buzzword for many a year now. Um, and... People do look towards it, but it might not be the option for them. You know, it, 
it's it's interesting you mentioned you know the cloud we high hybrid cloud gets talked around a lot or has been for a long time i'm old enough to remember that we were all fearful of the crowd uh, the cloud and now we've moved into it it's a situation where does hybrid cloud even make sense as a as a phrase anymore we're all we're all on it we're all every we're, every customer yeah. i speak to is essentially a hybrid cloud customer because they have got microsoft 365 which means they have got azure ad connectors which means that they're on-prem domain users and groups are in Microsoft Azure. That, that immediately, you, you become hybrid cloud just by doing that. It's as simple as that. There, there are a lot of customers that will, will always end up with a hybrid cloud solution in place because it's not about lifting and shifting your infrastructure and putting it into a public cloud at the end of the day. It's about putting workloads in the right place um, to get the best out of it where it's most cost-effective, where it's most, most performant, where it's better to you as a business and to your end users. So um, the, the idea or the concept that you should basically just shut down your data center and move everything in might not work for every customer. Um, and we're seeing more and more customers kind of adopt that model where there's a bit of a split. There's, there's, not, there's not many organizations, I think, that can consider themselves truly cloud-only unless you are three years old or something and you probably didn't look to you know to to designing a data center that you just went full in hopefully you know cloud pc windows 365 maybe you know low cost device to 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 boot you know directly into that etc so you know unless you are that kind of organization if you're any sort of organization that's that's had any sort of presence for the last minimum 10 years that you are probably, you're hybrid at some point, you know, because you will have bricks and mortar somewhere. You will have a server, a switch. So, I mean, I don't think there's, if you're less than 5%, can you be classed? No, you're hybrid. You know, you, you are a hybrid organization. And I think, you know, that that's probably a good place to be. I mean, again, I work for Microsoft, but, you know, if I was a CTO of an organization or CEO even, I, I'd be saying, well, I want to put my workloads where the most appropriate is that application probably, you know, might have to remain on-prem for governance reasons. You know, I may have to host it for latency reasons because some controller that it needs to access or some backend database can't move, you know. So, you know, hence why, you know, as Microsoft, we, you know, we, we are, you know, investing in Azure Stack HCI, uh, AVD on top of that as well, so that you can put, you know, a virtual desktop that you can access through a robust control plane, but do it in your own data center because, you know, we didn't just build that for the sake of it. We built it because customers are asking. So, yeah, hybrid, hybrid is pro probably de facto future state for for a lot of a lot of customers moving forward. I think one of the things I worry about all the time is when we move to something like cloud, a lot of the controls that we are used to. Uh, either change or different vendors or, or maybe go away. So, you know, Ollie, how are you finding that the, the merge between, you know, workspace and cloud and, and absorbing lots of technologies that customers may have not been used to on-prem and how do we as an organization help, help them? So, yeah, I mean, it's essentially you're right. It's, it's just a different management platform, but if, if we were going to look, obviously Toby's from Microsoft, so let's look at Azure, for instance, it is massive. You know, if anyone says, I know Azure, they are lying because it is far too big. It's far, far too big. Um, you can know parts of it and you can have different 
business units within an organization that know different parts of it. But even then, I don't think everyone is going to know everything about Azure because it's changing every single day as well. You know, you might look at doing an exam next week and it'll be different from the one that's last week. Um, so you've got, to, you've got to keep that in mind when you are pitching things like full cloud to customers because it is, it's a scary place to be, really, for them. Um, you know, if, if it's not designed correctly, and I've seen this with many people where they've put it in incorrectly, you go in and they're suddenly what they thought was going to cost them, let's say, £7,000 a month is now costing them £20,000 a month because it's just spiralled out of control. So it's got to be designed properly from the ground up Toby mentioned about businesses being three years old, straight into cloud. Perfect, yes. In an ideal world, that would be ideal. There's your data center. It's called Microsoft Azure. Unfortunately, as he said, you do have businesses that want to adopt cloud, but they will never be able to fully get in there. They've got data. They've got all sorts of legacy apps that are running on-prem. So there's got to be that hybrid solution. HCI stack is looking to sort of bridge that gap if they do need to be near that data. Um, but yeah, we, you've, you've got to look at it, as Tom said, as sort of full hybrid solution where you can move services in there whilst they're still on-prem, cut them over, run them in parallel, do whatever you need to do. A hybrid is so fluid these days that it could mean anything, really. And like I say, if, if you've got a single account in Azure, you are a hybrid customer, let's face it. When we're, when we're doing these kind of um, engagements with customers, often and they will seek out kind of assessments, et cetera, from Microsoft. We'll go through that phase. But really, when it comes to migrating your services to a public cloud, that customer is going to be reliant on a trusted partner, someone that can effectively help them design and shape that platform and not just help them migrate it, but also do the cost optimization, the modernization, you know, develop it so you're getting the best out of the platform going forward. And that's why they kind of look towards someone like Proact to help them through that journey because typically, like you say, it is a complete different technology stack. And within that organization, it's unlikely they're going to have the skills and the experience straight away to be able to do that sort of thing themselves. Whereas obviously we've got, you know, Azure architects and um, SMEs and all sorts that can, that can manage that for customers. And we are managing it for customers on a day-to-day -day basis, to be fair. And even if it's a case of it, it's only for a short period, um, to enable your internal staff to be able to upscale and, and, and be more self-sufficient, it, it, there's still value to be had in using us from an architectural perspective and for, uh, you know, um, a strategy perspective moving forward to lean on us for that advice. So, so it sounds like everyone's got the same problem. I assume we have a one-stop shop that kind of there's only one solution for this. Is it, is it really easy? Yes. No. <laughs> you heard it here first from Microsoft. I, 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 yeah. I actually, um, just just before we started recording this, I had a call with a customer. No, sorry, it wasn't with a customer. It was with the account team in Microsoft um, to discuss our our approach. And we had different representatives from from Microsoft and different solutions, etc. And you know, it it does become difficult to 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 navigate because you know Microsoft have you know, products that overlap with each other. Um, so we have definitely, with the Microsoft adopted an approach where there's going to be no single solution that, that meets all your requirements. And if there is, then it's probably too expensive because you're sort of mapping it against use cases where, where it's not appropriate. So 
if I say that word, what can I say it a hundred times a day? You know, use cases, use cases. What's the use case? You know, and customers will come to us and say, well, we're doing this with a published apps or whatever. And somebody from Microsoft say, well, we can do that all with Windows 365. We can, you know, we can. You know, we've got to map the appropriate. And hence, hence why partners are so important. Because it's you guys, you guys are doing this day to day. Microsoft don't actually do the work, if you know what I mean. We we have the technologies, we have the pre-sales, uh, we have the onboarding, but the sort of heavy lifting, uh, the heavy lifting is done by partners. Uh, you know, the, the designs, you know, the taking on responsibility for the, you know, the timelines tends to be done uh, done by partners. So we need to make sure we have partners you know that that we work with closely and educate in terms of what our priorities are so that and what your priorities are as well so there's definitely there's definitely no one solution and as i say if somebody tells you there is then they've probably got a vested interest in selling it more than anything so yeah i agree i was being deliberately facetious which is uh why when i, I speak to tom and ollie you know i i look at the number of verticals that proact are involved in and th they talk to me about the the projects they're working on it's there, there is a lot of moving parts. And I think one of the things that I, that comes up a lot of the time when I'm talking about this is it sounds like a lot of work. There's lots to do. Do I have to do it all in a, in a big bang approach? Um, and actually, is the answer the same for everyone? Is the answer the same? Is the device the same for everyone? Is the, is the platform the same for everyone? And I think when I talk to Ollie and Tom, I think that's where I see the value in the, in their expertise is the, the ability to take that information carve it up into its, its constituent components and explain, you know, very, very well to the organization that they're dealing with about which bits make sense and be clear about which bits are going to be hard. Because I think that's the value in a partner is the ability to go back and say, do you know what? It might look great on a brochure, but this bit is going to be difficult. We will help you through it and we will make it as easy as possible, but this isn't going to be done overnight. I mean, Tom, Ollie, from your experience, these things are, are long projects, yes? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, no one cu customer's solution uh, is the same as another at the end of the day. It's about um, the customer, their requirements, their business objectives, their goals. Um, typically, you, you might see an industry sector that have a similar kind of setup to a, to a, a competitor, but really no one solution fits all, if I'm, uh, if I'm honest. And... We've got customers out there that have got kind of, you know, legacy applications that are their business that they cannot do without them. And uh, they're not necessarily cloud centric. So we can't host them in the cloud. They're the customers where we've got to put in a, a bit of a um, an alternative solution or, or do something a bit different for them to, to be able to effectively deliver that kind of core business function um, to the to the organization. So yeah, you, you're right that there's absolutely no way um, that you're going to have one customer um, footprint much any other. There's a, there's a there's a horrible phrase that that goes around, and I'm I'm guilty of using it. It's people use the term legacy a lot, and I I'm guilty too. Oh, your legacy application and customers going, what you mean, my line of business application that I need that that pays my employees? Yeah, stop calling it legacy. So I think, and there's a phrase that that's popped into my consciousness over the last certainly since Citrix, you know. What do I need to do for this customer? I need to be the trusted advisor. So I think if you can always put that hat on, regardless of how you're commissioned or your sales plan or your your individual KPIs, if you can sort of put yourself in their their shoes and say, 
what would I want somebody to tell me? And that might be, you don't want Azure, you know, that might, you know, if you can do that, you know, and advise the customer properly, you build up that trust and they'll come back to you. And they'll, you know, and for a, an organization like yourselves, having trusted advisors means you'll get, you know, repeat business as such, and you'll be seen as, as industry experts. But, but yeah, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my career and calling customers applications legacy is one of them I regret deeply. Over it's the last interesting you say that. I've seen legacy change the True. word heritage because heritage is less, heritage, less yes. offensive. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I know what you mean. Um, I mean, we, we uh, when in the old verticals I used to work in, we used to refer to them as crap apps, you know, because they were, you know, Piece of what shit could apps, you do? Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't do anything with it, right? Um, and it doesn't matter how, how the world tells me that we're all going to be accessing it through a browser. That application ran, you know, 90% of our call center. And it was, it had to be on a full fat machine. It was going to be that way, whether we liked it or not. So I, I can just, a very quick example. And I had a customer who recently I was chatting to them and they said, AVD is terrible. And I went, why? Because it doesn't work. Citrix is much better. I said, well, you know, I, I need to understand why this is. What they did was they just spun up AVD with their current partner who didn't have AVD skills, didn't have any automation skills. They just spun it up. They didn't optimize desktop. They threw all their apps into it. There's cost spiraled out of control. Their applications wouldn't work in multi-session and they blamed it all on the technology. Um, so, and I said, well, I had to force them back. I said, You've, you, you, this is your problem. This isn't a technology problem. This is, you haven't, you know, pushed back on application owners for testing and you've just gone about this all the wrong thing. And it actually transpires it's, it was a choice of partner. The, the partner had no expertise in delivery of EUC. So in terms of projects now, it's kind of the first thing I'll ask. I say, what partner's engaged? None. Okay, I have the ability to affect. Or if I hear who's engaged, <laughs> I've actually had to try and replace them sometimes as well because I've got real concerns about, you know, the, the, the product name being dragged through through the mud just for poor implementations as well. So, you know, Hence why I'm here today. You know, I, I I'm here to support partners and to sort of you know you do work that 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 I could never do. You know, I, I'm there to sell the value, but I need partners like Proact to be able to to sort of take my vision and and actually make sure it gets implemented well. Um, you know, and and you know that that that's just that's just the way the world is now. So I've seen I've seen that for many years as well. With I've, I've traditionally I've been Citrix. You know, I've deployed Citrix, I've managed it, I've, I've put it in, I've designed it. And you put it in and someone says, Citrix is crap, it's not working. And it's not, it's nothing to do with that. You know, the storage is, you know, spinny disks and it's just not performant. It's always, it's generally nine times out of 10, it is something else. But that's where, like you say, the collaboration between the customer and the partner and the vendor comes in. And the partner, like us, is sat there banging in the middle of the customer and the vendor. And we've got our relationships with both and you've got to make sure that partner is chosen correctly. Otherwise, like you said, costs spiral out of control relationships break down and even it goes as far as to you know if a cto is there and a partner has pushed through avd negatively and in you know implemented it incorrectly that cto if he moves to another company might never even look at it again because of the bad and again it comes back to that emotional experience with it he might just not look at it because he's had that bad experience it triggers something in his mind that he doesn't even realize i'm not going to say that uh, microsoft are faster than loose with a pricing or anything like that but we like to keep vendors honest. <laughs> so that's also of added value. Um, but yeah, when you talk about something like AVD as a solution for a customer, I mean, 
I don't, I can't think of many customers where I've just, just installed AVD. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great platform, but it needs something to make it an enterprise solution. Um, and that's where we come in with the likes of Citrix. You've mentioned it, but it probably still is the flagship product when it comes to desktop virtualization, if I'm honest, but it's expensive, but in fact, the, the features within Citrix are something which is a requirement for your organization, then why pivot away from it? Correct. But there are also other vendors such as Nerdio, for example, um, that can be more than capable of delivering a really good user experience and operational benefits on top of it. When you think about ABD on its own, it's probably quite challenging to maintain on a large scale. Um, so you've, you've got to consider implementing a technology stack which benefits you both operationally, but also d delivers a better end user experience. I think that's a very valid point, which is that there are options. And I think, you know, we're, we're, this is our second part of a, a workspace series. I mean, we've not even really broached all the other subjects around the other, the other areas that make a workspace strategy. We are focusing on the vendor change and the, and the industry change at the moment. So there's, there's lots more to talk about, but you know, Ollie, Tom, from your point of view, we, we, we said we'd get into the weeds on this one. I mean, just one of you walk me through a day-to-day -day deployment or at least, you know, assessment to deployment with you guys. What, what are, you, are you, are you picking one technology? Are you assessing? How are you helping an organization walk through the, the minefield that is the, uh, the, the technologies available? So I think we, we generally, and Tom, I know does this and I do this, we tend to start, obviously we'll talk to the organization about the challenges. You know, what is their future journey? What is their strategy? But at the end of the day, it all comes down to who are your users? What are your applications? And how do we get those users to access those applications in the best way possible for your business? Whether the best way is the most performant or the most productive or the cheapest, it might, it's different for every business. You know, we will generally go in and I've, I've been on one this morning with a, with a customer and I think I pitched seven different options to the various technologies various vendors, and one of them was even, and you know, no workspace whatsoever, Intune managed devices, MSIX application deployment from Intune, no workspace whatsoever. And it was just one of the options that could be a requirement for them because they might not, if they can do what they say they were going to do by moving some applications um, and re-hosting them somewhere or re-platforming them into a SaaS app, they don't need workspace. It's a complete waste of money for them. So, you know, we, we, we like to think we're quite vendor agnostic. We do, obviously, we have partners, you know, we go to different people, and we're, but we're always looking at new technology and new vendors that might complement what we offer to customers. To be fair, if we're not looking at all the available technologies and offering the customer all the available options, we're not doing our job as a trusted partner. We need to be seen to be looking at the art of the possible, really. And I talked about it before on that kind of workspace transformation assessment. We do kind of go through a process where we can do proof of concepts for the customer because it can be a difficult choice at the end of the day for a customer to make a decision on what to do. Obviously, it does always, there's always the cost implication there, but it can be a difficult choice to make the right decision. And, and at the end of the day, there's a there's a, a leader within that organization that wants to make that right choice. Um, so we offer to do things like out of the possible sessions um, or, or walk-ins where we can demonstrate the technology end users can come in and test it and make sure that it's right for the business. And then obviously those proof of concepts and so as well can determine whether or not it's going to be a success moving forward. I think the key there is success. I mean, that that's what we're ultimately driving for. It, it's got to be, yeah. We're not here to just 
block shift. We want yep. to deliver change. I mean, Toby, given the, given the change in the landscape that we discussed in the, the previous podcast around, you know, the move to cloud, the licensing changes and, and the end of lives, is, are you seeing organizations move to a multi-format? So they're seeing some ABD and some on-prem. Are you seeing that they're, uh, you know, changing applications to meet a, a different way of delivering? Yeah, it's, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time with customers and we try and you sort of map out the, how you're delivering this now, what's the, you know, what, why did you decide on that um, and try and challenge them because ultimately you don't want 16 different delivery methods, you know, within because then there's just potentially 16 different technologies that, 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 that have to be supported. So, you know, we're always in a mind of trying to simplify. I mean, take Windows 365, for example. You know, it is a new product. There's some animosity sometimes towards it because AVD's there is a great solution. But again, I put my kind of CTO hat on, and if I was picking a, a technology to deliver a desktop now, would I would I do it and build it myself, or would I try and take it off the shelf and have a vendor's you know name attached to it that I can then choke on a call as such? So, you know, there is there is definitely a a shift um, we saw it with Exchange Online you know replacing Exchange we saw it with server virtualization you know um, replacing physical servers with cloud replacing physical data centers so it's there's always something new coming you know AI's you know, the whole AI conversation's coming now as well how's that going to change things as well so so you, you've always got one mind on the future, one mind, you know, sort of one eye in the future, one eye in the past. And, and I think that's, that's where the fun is. That's where, that's what I enjoy is, you know, the sort of the customer conversations and, and the, the new stuff that's coming and, and mapping it because, you know, I think I can't remember all your Tom said it, you know, it's not the same. No solution is ever going to be this implemented exactly the same way for the same two customers. Yeah, it's very, very un unlikely. Um, so so yeah, it's it's a very interesting time at the moment, you know, on the cusp of on the cusp of of the AI, the, what's coming with AI and things like that. So definitely a fun few few couple of years and and some you know exciting customer conversations to come. I think. Thank you, uh, Tom. Just a question to you around the change that we discussed in the first podcast. You know, is that driving? Is that driving differences in architecture? You know, you are a solution architect, a solution architect in workspace. Tell me what what's happening that's that's changing your world because of the announcements. Um, well, I guess um, if I'll give you some examples of customers. I guess uh, we've got customers that are traditional on premise. They're delivering um, workspace solutions, whether it be VMware Horizon or Citrix on premise, using their own hardware. Um, if it's Citrix, they're leveraging the benefit of multi-session and, and the cost savings that comes with that in terms of the amount of hardware that you need to procure um, to, to support your end user estate. Um, and then you've also got customers that might already be in Azure and using AVD. But in terms of the customer, it comes down to the apps at the end of the day. Um, we might have, well, I have come across customers where they've got a line of business application, which is solely dependent to stay on-prem just because it's got um, it's, it's susceptible to kind of, um, latency dropouts and, and application errors and things like that. And maybe the rest of the data center isn't very ready for moving to cloud, not a very cloud centric app, for example. 
Um, we need to think of architecture options that could potentially still continue to run that line of business application as close to the end user as possible, or, or as close to the backend desktop, if you like. And so desktop virtualization still very much fits in, but we've still got that challenge, I guess, uh, in 2026 that we might not be able to use um, server hosted desktops on-prem anymore to deliver that same capability. So we'll need to look at alternative options and obviously ones that we've been having conversations with customers about more recently is obviously the Azure HCI stack option. Um, obviously there's some benefits in that in itself that you can effectively start to administer your on-premise data center using the same kind of tool set as Azure, using Azure app. Um, but the, the, the bit that's currently missing, which I'm hoping is coming very, very soon, is multi-session Windows 10 on Azure HCI stack, which um, we are obviously talking to customers about because that we do have a number of customers that are in that similar predicament, um, but we need the ability to deliver the same sort of um, multi-session desktop without having, in some, some scenarios, to move that entire environment to the public cloud. I don't know if uh, Toby's got any take on <laughs> when no, that might be. No comment. <laughs> no, no official comment, but obviously the, the feature is in private, sorry, in public preview at the moment has been for a while. Um, I think we're just getting it right. So it's important. So yeah. Um, so yeah. It, a, it, very, it, a very diplomatic answer there, Toby. That was. <laughs> Say what you really mean. It's not what I said to a couple of customers yesterday, let's put it that way in person, but it's it's close, I think, is is is, is all I can really say. And, and that's it, basically, because we've got customers that are worried about if they have to remain on-premise, do they need to completely pivot away from shared hosted desktops or move to a dedicated VDI? And if they move to dedicated VDI, they're almost tripling their hardware requirement for it. And obviously that comes with a cost. So this ability to buy hardware that can still leverage multi-session desktops is going to be a game changer when it comes to workspace conversations over the next two, two and a half years, basically. It's exactly what edge computing means though. You know, Azure Stack HCI is edge computing. It's getting that, um, the resource that you want Azure closer to your data. So you're not, you're not compounded by high latency and you can have good, performing real-time applications for the end users. And that's what some people need and they can't move to the cloud. So it, it bridges that gap between if someone's going into the Azure or they want to go into Azure, they can move some things there, they can put HCI stack on-prem and they can still get their applications there. But again, it comes back to the, the hybrid cloud model and it's exactly what it is. The bit that stood out for me there is the amount of considerations that go in to talking about this, everything from the network to licensing. And it, it, it's a wealth of, of challenges that my, an organization might be facing. One thing that I, I find when talking to, to all three of you is, is just the sheer amount of knowledge you have and, and how you talk about an organization and how you want to help. So I think, you know, if there was one thing I'd leave at the end of this, you know, podcast is if, if you want to speak to Tom and Ollie and, and get further insights into their into how they're thinking around what they're doing for organizations, then, then feel free. I mean, you know, this is the point of having expertise like this in our organization. I mean, just to, just to go back to you, Ollie, for a second, um, in your world at the moment with your customers, is, the, is there a favorite or are you finding that uh, 
customers going through that licensing challenge, that vendor challenge, they're all, all options are on the table. It's, it's difficult. Obviously, everyone's different and we try and be as agnostic as possible, like I've said. Um, people, due to certain things around Cloud Software Group, which, you know, you and I were there a couple of weeks ago and they, they held their hands up completely, said, you know, they've had a tough 18 months and they are working. And from the sounds of it, they are working very strongly to rectify the issues that they've created themselves, essentially. But due to that, customers are making emotional decisions on this. And when you pitch to them AVD with Nerdio, for instance, not, you know, there are obviously other vendors about, you pitch that to them, they are getting excited by it. Definitely. AVD and Toby, whether you agree with me or not, AVD natively is horrendous. It's got to have some sort of control layer over the top. Yeah. Um, I agree with your Windows 365 Cloud PC um, comment from before, but I would say that's more for the smaller businesses. I've got a customer with 60 users who are currently Citrix. Um, they cut this, the renewal price is horrendous and they are not big enough for ABD at all in any way, shape or form. So Cloud PC is the way they are going to go, essentially. Um, and it, it fits with them perfectly. And I didn't, when, when I first started looking into Windows 365 Cloud PC, I didn't know what it was for. But we, we deal with enterprise customers, very large scale. It's for those smaller businesses, SMEs, um, that need a desktop with some apps on it and need it as simple as possible. And that's exactly what it's for. And it fits for them. So yeah, that, that's exactly the sort of thing that we do is we will look at a customer. What are your requirements? Where are your apps? What are your users using? How are you doing it? These are your options. We think these two are probably the best for you. Let's dive into those a little deeper. And then the customer makes a decision then on based on the information that we give them, which I like to think is unbiased. Yeah. And j just to go on, on something there, yeah, AVD, um, is a platform. I think somebody said it earlier on as well. It's, it's not designed to be a one-stop VDI platform that, that perhaps the Citrix or, or Horizon is because we use the wider gamut of Azure services to, to provide value. So if you have customers that don't have that sort of cloud methodology, infrastructure as code, DevOps, etc., then I would agree that that's when the value of a third party, uh, whether that's Citrix or whether that's Nerdio, Nerdio doing some great stuff for, for native AVD. Um, yeah, you, if you try and go into AVD without your eyes open, you will fail. And the customer I, I referred to earlier on did that. Um, it, but let me be clear, AVD is continuing to improve. You know, we're, we're addressing some of the top capabilities that our big customers want once those are unlocked we then go after those small incremental improvements in terms of making it more you know one-stop shop but you know that's not going to happen overnight and you got to remember avd is only four years old citrix have been about for 30 plus years so you know ask us see let's see where it is in 26 years but i'll be on a beach somewhere retired so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm conscious that we've talked a lot about desktop virtualization in this, but obviously, um, like I said before, going back to our workspace transformation assessment piece, if, if it's deemed that your application requirements or your data requirements don't bleed into needing a virtual desktop, you might be able to run quite happily with modern managed Windows 11 desktops using something like Intune, remote management tools, um, monitoring tools, and obviously 
if 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 that is your application state and that is your organization we're quite happy to displace a desktop virtualization in favor of um providing a better end user experience for someone that's got more modern applications SaaS based applications so i just wanted to throw that out there that we're not just trying to talk to you about um desktop virtualization tom that was very well articulated and just as i was bringing the uh the podcast to a close i was going to ask a very direct question and that question to both ollie and tom tom first is you know it in, an, in a world where we are used to going to maybe onto the Azure marketplace or onto a SaaS provider and clicking a button, we have instant access to things. What is the value of talking to someone like yourself? And I think you articulated some of it very well there, but I still, the, the question still stands. Tell me why I'd want to talk to you. Um, well, we've got a wealth of knowledge from talking to so many different industry sectors. Uh, we're used to seeing architectures from multitude of customers um we're always looking at new technologies out there um ways to improve business ways that make things easier for us to manage customers on a managed service so um we're, we're not we're not out there to try and make our lives difficult at the end of the day we, we, we want to simplify our day-to-day -day business and, and the, the main goal is to be more efficient more profitable um optimized if you like so and I know Ollie is famous for sharing his chicken nuggets, which is why most people want to speak to him. But um, in from you, Ollie, for organi why would organizations want to talk to you? Why why would they want to speak to you about something that almost seems simple on on the face of it? That's exactly what you've just hit the nail on the head. It is not simple. Um, hybrid working is here to stay, whether that be the user working from anywhere with any device and consuming resources from a multitude of different locations. And that's where the architecture comes in. And we have, Tom and I both have designed very complicated architecture in the past that take in various resources, whether it's SaaS apps, whether it's on-prem resources, whether it's cl public cloud resources, you know, um, co-location resources, private cloud resources, any, any of those things, it, it needs architecting properly for it to work and be cost-effective. If you do anything that's outside of the right way, it becomes non-performant or expensive or both and the end user is the one that will shout the loudest and they will cause a nightmare for it admins everywhere which then comes back to us and we don't want that <laughs> we want happy customers <laughs> ollie thank you very much tom thank you for your time as well and toby thank you for joining us um i expect there'll be more of these and if there's any topics we want to get into then please let us know but it was great speaking to you all thank you for your time Thanks for listening to this episode of Data Center Unplugged. You can connect with today's presenters, check out our other episodes, and get more information on what we've covered today by visiting proact.co.uk forward slash data center unplugged.